All right, Lagos. I'm Sandra Ezekwesili. You're listening to Hard Facts on 99.3 Nigeria Info. What do you want to ask Kingsley Morgalo? Um, it's the first big hard fact after Democracy Day. And I'm talking to a man who two years ago contested to lead our democracy. Yesterday's big hard fact, President Muhammad Buhari moved Democracy Day from May 29th to June 12th to commemorate the annulled presidential election of June 12th, 1993. And this year, it of course fell two days ago. So today we're looking back at Democracy Day. Uh, but also on the state of democracy in Nigeria itself. We're also looking at what the future holds, and we're also looking at how to get there. And like I said, joining me is um, a man who has run for president under the banner of the Young Progressives Party. Um, Before that, he was deputy governor of the Central Bank, and currently he serves as the UNDP's Africa Envoy on post-COVID development finance. Professor Kingsley Morgalo, welcome to Hard Facts. Thank you. He's joining us uh, live via Zoom. You can watch the interview on Facebook yep. and on YouTube. Facebook is Nigeria Info 99.3. YouTube is Nigeria Info FM. Share your comments, share your questions. Uh, give us a call 0700 993 993 993. WhatsApp is 080 959 And women call us on 01465 uh, uh, Sorry, actually, that's WhatsApp. <laughs> women call us on 01465 Lagos, we want to hear from you while this conversation is ongoing. What questions do you have for Professor Mogalo? Uh, Professor Mogalo, let's start with Saturday. What are your thoughts on how Democracy Day was marked across the country? We saw young people take to the streets in demonstration. What uh, was your take on that? What did you think of that? I think it's an appropriate expression of uh, democratic freedoms. I think, you know, people have uh, freedom of assembly so long as it's it's peaceful. I think it's important uh, that we continue to protest and to, um, you know, channel our voice against any um, grievances we may have in terms of governance. Mm. So, you know, but unfortunately, we saw a lot of repression I saw photographs of some people being stopped from such peaceful assembly. Um, And I think, you know, that was not very good at all. Mm. Now, you know, so, so yes, it's, it's fully appropriate, but I, my own suggestion Mm. is that, you know, protests could be channeled to um, more productive uses. For example, a lot of the protest was about, oh, Buhari must go, Hmm. right? Okay. Yes, many Nigerians are not happy with the performance of the current government. But the fact is that it's very difficult to remove a democratically elected president or a democratically elected government. Only the National Assembly can do that for good cause. And, you know, we haven't seen the kind of independence in this National Assembly that suggests that this is possible you want him to resign well in nigeria does not have a resigning culture unfortunately right. um you know there are not many nigerian politicians who would resign 
because the people ask them to resign. You know, they will just try to make their case and say that these are just aggrieved people. So the point I'm trying to make is, for example, we have a challenge of the electoral system in Nigeria. I think if we were to protest for electoral reform, so we're asking for, we're protesting for something. We're not necessarily protesting against something or someone. I suspect that this would be an even better and more productive use of democratic um, power on, on the part of the citizens. So these are just my initial comments on, on the protest of Saturday. But June 12th is Democracy Day. People had the right to mark it in different ways. Some marked it with protest, some marked it with reflection, some marked it with advocacy, and all are good. That's what I would say. Hmm. Uh, to stay on the point you made uh, um, about um, the arrest of some protesters who were later freed, um, I, I, I want to come to something the Supreme Court has said uh, about um, what the Constitution guarantees. It says the Constitution guarantees the right to peaceful protest. You've also said the same thing as well. Um, what's causing this disconnect then? Why then are the police arresting protesters? I know you say, oh, protests can be more targeted they can be better guided but let's talk about the protests that we do currently have and we had the one yes. on june 12th and we saw how security agents reacted to those protests and we know what the constitution says about the right of rights yes. of citizens to protest what's the what's what's the disconnect what's causing that disconnect as far as you're there concerned is, there is a fundamental disconnect because nigeria is not a country that is actually a true democracy at this time Okay. Um, we are an aspirational democracy. We, we are aspiring. We have a ritualistic democracy where you have elections every four years. Right. But the character of democracy, the habits of democracy, the DNA of democracy is not yet in, in this country, okay. in this country's political class. Okay. And so for them, power remains absolute. And the security agencies um, you know, of the state are basically for regime change they secure the regime they don't secure the people and so they still see themselves as adversarial to the people they, they see the people as oh pesky irritants against the orgas in power mm. and it is their business to protect the orgas in power or to harass the the little citizen quote unquote who is disturbing orga mm. do you see what i'm saying mm -hmm. so the the police in nigeria is yet to become a proper institution of law enforcement and enforcing the rule of law hmm. so this is the point there's one thing called enforcing the law there's another thing called enforcing the rule of law hmm. so so this is the thing and this is why they harass people who protest peacefully right. uh, because then they are making a political statement that they're here to protect the government but they're there's also but but there's rights. but there's also the argument that was made at least here in lagos um, after the attacks on ensar's protesters where the police issued uh, a ban on demonstrations um, kaduna also um, declared some public order rules right so their argument is that public safety or security uh, mitigates the right to protest do you agree with that argument or what do you think of that argument now, I think that this is a, a hollow argument. Okay. So long as public protests are peaceful, okay. if they become violent, yes, the police have a right to restrain it okay. in, in the interest of public order. Okay. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. So that's where public order comes in. Public order comes in only in, in respect where there's 
you know, clear, evident violence by protesters. Right. Then, of course, the police has to rein them in right. because you cannot have violence in the name of expressing your your rights. Right. Do you see what I'm saying? Yes. Right. So without that, you, you cannot stop peaceful assembly on the basis of, quote unquote, public order. You know, that's not correct. Hmm. Okay. Now, um, I, I want to talk about what you think the major challenges in our democracy today are and how would you suggest we overcome them? So you've talked about the electoral system and how, um, you know, we, we need to target that. What other challenges um, do you think are major as far as our democracy today is concerned? How would you suggest we overcome them? There are two major challenges other than what we have talked about that I think, you know, we face in our democracy in Nigeria. Right. The first is, you know, the meaning of democracy, government of the people, by the people, for the people. One problem we have in Nigeria's democracy is that the people are not yet present in it. Right now, what we really have is government of politicians, by politicians, for politicians. So th there's a political class that seems to be the ones for whom the benefits of democracy are reserved. You know, their, 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 their salaries, their looting of public funds, uh, and, and so on and so forth. The people are not getting governance. So the purpose of a democracy is actually not being met. Have we, you know, benefited from the, um, have we, you know, really gained from the uh, yields of democracy since 1999 in this country? Other than just that we can express ourselves and we are not in a military regime. We have a civilian government. We don't really have a truly democratic government because the people are still missing in the equation. Hmm. One of the reasons why the people are missing in the equation is that the people are not politically educated in the way they should be for a democracy to have value. For a democracy to function properly, you need an informed electorate that makes democratic choices with full knowledge and, cap and capacity. Do you see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. That is not present in Nigeria for two reasons. It's not present because of poverty, and it's not present because even of relatively low literacy rates. Mm. Our literacy rate in this country averages 62%. That is a very low literacy rate mm. for a country like Nigeria. Mm. And in some parts of Nigeria, those literacy rates go down to as much as 50% or even the late 40s in percentages. Right. So when you have this type of situation, you find that the political uh, class has captured the civic space. The citizens become their tools simply to be used in perpetuating themselves in power every four years. Hmm. Why? Because the citizens will vote based on ethnic uh, uh, considerations many times. They will vote most, mostly on uh, religious considerations many times. Hmm. Other times, they will simply vote based on what cabals, powerful godfathers, say to them. This is where they should vote, mm. or even religious leaders. Mm. So this is it. People in Nigeria do not yet have that ability to assess, you know, an electoral setup and make informed choices. You see them voting, for example. We have, you know, um, two major parties, um, not because of any ideology, as you will find in many other countries, mm. but simply because those two parties have mastered the democratic space through all sorts of uh, games, right. you know, but there are many good candidates outside of those parties. 
But in the past, I don't know what the future will hold, but mm -hmm. in the past, our people have not voted for those candidates simply because they're not in those parties. Not because those parties are giving them good governance. Do you see the point? Mm -hmm. They're not voting for those parties because they're performing. Mm -hmm. They're voting for those parties because they want to be part of a winning bandwagon mm -hmm. to nowhere. So this is not democracy in reality. The second major reason mm -hmm. why democracy is not yet mature in Nigeria mm -hmm. is that one of the requirements for democracy is that institutions have to be strong. Democracy is upheld by independent and free institutions like the judiciary, you know, like the legislature uh, and, and, you know, others like a central bank, mm. you know, or, or those kinds of things. Or even, you know, security agencies that, yes, they must secure the state, but they are not necessarily supposed to become um, accomplices to autocracy. Mm. So because the um, lack of independence of institutions is a big problem for our democracy. For example, INEC. Would you truly say that in the past 20 some 22 years, INEC has been an independent institution? Of course not. So we know that, you know, in the past, again, we have to see what the future holds, but in the past, they have tended to support, you know, the governments that are in power, especially the government in power at the center. You know, um, so this is it. And if you look, for example, at even the uh, controversy concerning the um, uh, the nominations to to be, become INEC commissioners that is currently going on, you will see political party um, apparatchiks, partisans of the ruling party or the party currently in government um, being nominated into a body like INEC. That tells you all you need to know about whether or not this country is actually a democracy. Now, so they, I, I, I have yes. to ask you, I have to ask you, you you've run for president and you yes. are you are running again for president. How yes. conducive do you believe democracy in Nigeria is for a victory for you? I think that despite all these uh, challenges, it is very possible to overwhelm all these obstacles if the people themselves decide that they have had enough. Enough is enough. They say democracy is a game of numbers. Hmm. The reason why it's possible to manipulate the system the way the politicians do it today hmm. is because Nigerians don't come out to vote. Hmm. Apathy. Apathy is high. Hmm. So we had 80 million people with collected uh, voters' cards in, in 2019, and 28 million people voted. Hmm. Why would you expect much from this type of system? Right. If you had those 80 million people and 50 million people voted mm -hmm. in a particular direction, do you think anybody can rig it? You can overwhelm the rigging machine. You can overwhelm, you know, all these shenanigans if the people themselves are determined to overwhelm it. Right. This is this is what we hope will happen in 2023. Mm. We also hope that there will be electoral reform which is currently being discussed in the National Assembly, and they are promising us that there will be amendments to the Electoral Act. Between those two things, we can improve our democracy very significantly in 2023. Lagos, I want to talk to you very quickly before we take a break. We've got about one minute, 30 seconds before the break, and that break um, will take us all the way to 5.37. So let's quickly take your thoughts, your questions, your comments, 0700 993 993 0700-993-993-993. Women, call us on 0146571993. 
0101-465-7190. Very, very quickly, because I've got one minute before the break. Hello, how are you? Hello, Sandra. Thank how you for you? calling. I'm good. Yeah, this is Alex. Hi, Alex. Yes, um, I would like to support the professor um, in the forthcoming election, but that aside, I, there's something he has done that I like very much, okay. which is that he's trying to build a... a, a a following before he he said he gets into a party. Okay. Right? Okay. Because uh, I find out that it makes sense. That way he's going with some, some uh, you know, negotiating power okay. into the deal that he will eventually make because every, every political uh, has to go into some kind of deal or the other. Right? Okay. It's better, it's better than having to just set up a party because if you set up a party and start looking for members, mm. what you're doing is actually setting up a company. You know, so we will register as part of his team and then we'll go look for our party. All right. Thank you very much for calling, Alex. 99.3. Yeah, Sandra, good evening. Good evening. You've got 30 seconds. Yeah, my name is Paul. Hi, Paul. 30 seconds. Go ahead. Yeah, the professor is an ideal uh, presidential candidate in a developed democracy. Okay. There's no, we we know he's. Criterias. We have his indices, mm. but he can't. He can't win election in Nigeria. It's not possible. All right. Thank you, Paul, for calling, uh, Professor. When we come back from this break, I want to talk about swag. That's what you've named your agenda, swag. So, what's the swag agenda? I'm Sandra Ezekwesi. We've got Professor Kingsley Mogalu on the show, Lagos. Don't go away. More talk, news, and sports after this. It is uh, 5.35 and on the show today we have uh, a man who has run for president under the banner of Young Progressives Party, YPP. Uh, Before that, he was deputy governor of the Central Bank and he currently serves as the UNDP's Africa envoy on post-COVID development finance. His name is Professor Kingsley Morgalu. And today he's talking to us about uh, Nigeria's democracy. He's talking to us about what the challenges are. He's also talking about uh, what he thinks his chances are uh, now that he's running for president again. Uh, Professor, um, before the break, I mentioned that um, you've named your agenda for Nigeria swag. And I'm going to ask you as well, um, I'll also be asking you what swag is. But before we get to that, I want to pick on something you said earlier on. You said if the people and you said that the people who are supposed to be voting are not politically educated, right? Now, if the people are not politically educated, um, but it's not in the interests of politicians who run governments to educate them politically, how do interest groups like yours, for example, go about providing that political education? Is there a way to bridge that gap without government involvement? Um, there is. It's a, it's a, it can be a bit expensive, but you know, radio is, of course, one way that it can be done. I mean, a lot of, um, you know, jingles uh, on the radio can educate Nigerian voters, but of course you have to pay for them, which means a lot of resources. Um, What we can also 
use various uh, types of social media, you know, WhatsApp, um, Twitter, Instagram, and so on. Uh, but radio probably would be the most effective way. Hmm. Another way is, of course, to organize town halls, um, subject to the security situation in the country today. Uh, but in 2019, I did a lot, hmm. lot of town halls. Um, unfortunately, the security situation today is quite difficult. But, you know, there are ways to try and get around that too, as we saw with COVID, uh, the use of a lot of digital, digital communication can be used to educate Nigerians on, you know, uh, democracy and how to exercise their democratic rights. Mm. So there are ways, but this is fundamentally a job for INEC. It's INEC that is supposed to be at the front and center of voter education. Hmm. Um, that's their job. Yeah, but, but you've said in, that INEC is, is not really independent. And if INEC isn't independent, like I said earlier on, it's not in the interest of politicians to educate uh, voters politically, right? Which is yes. which is where people like you come in, right? Now, e exactly. Now, you mentioned um, digital um, education or digital ways that people can um, deploy to help with this. But most Nigerian voters are in rural areas. And while uh, Nigeria's internet penetration numbers are growing, a big chunk of voters are still either offline or they're not literate enough to engage with political content online. You mentioned yes. um, you mentioned, uh, what's the word now? Town halls, but you also mentioned security as a reason why that cannot happen. So if you have a large... I didn't say, I did not say it cannot happen. I said it's kind of limited now because ah. of the security situation. Okay, yes. so tell me your plan for reaching... Well, Tell, tell me your plan for reaching, engaging with, and mobilizing enough voters in all these 774 local government areas. Yes, we have a ground game okay. uh, that we are developing and we will deploy. Okay. We want the moral for Nigeria political movement, that mm. is moral for numerical for mm -hmm. Nigeria. Um, we are developing our structures across all the 774 local government areas, beginning with state directors in all the 36 states, okay. whose duty it will be to help us to go down to the LGAs and into all the wards. Okay. So we are beginning now um, to register members since my announcement, a lot of interest. We've received a lot of interest from across the country, okay. uh, people who are not happy with the status quo hmm. and are, are looking for how to change it. <coughs> are looking for how to come together, right. um, are seeing a potential in our movement. Right. And this is what we'll be developing over the next several months. Now, when we get to a proper place and we're comfortable with our strength, we will join a political party of our choice okay. as a movement. Okay. That we'll join as individual members, but we're all part of a movement. Right. So, and in that political party, then we will seek the ticket for the presidency, uh, for, for gubernatorial elections, for legislative elections into the National Assembly and State Assemblies okay. and council, local council elections. Okay. So this is the way we are looking at it. We are really going to go heavy hmm. for 2023 with a grassroots campaign. That's the way we're going to have to play. Now, and, you, okay, go ahead, go ahead. And? 
No, I said we're organizing in that direction. Okay. Obviously, it's not easy mm. uh, and it will take us, you know, some months to mm -hmm. get to, um, you know, sort of cruising altitude mm -hmm. uh, at the very least. Mm -hmm. But we're, we're on it. Okay. Yes. Now, let's yeah. talk about swag. Um, yes. What's the swag agenda? That's what you've named your agenda for Nigeria. Yes, I jokingly say that I'm the man with the swag. Okay. Um, swag <laughs> means, swag means um, you know, security uh, for Nigerians and Nigeria's territory. Okay. War against poverty. And by that, we're, you know, we're talking about um, jobs, skills, innovation, access to credit. Uh, then we have accelerated education and healthcare reform right. as part of our agenda. And then we have good governance, which is inclusive, transparent, accountable, and effective, right. you know, and efficient. So that's SWAG, SWAG. That's the SWAG agenda for yes. 2023. So let's go through each of those. I'll start with war against poverty. Re yes. Recently, we've seen the unemployment numbers growing and growing. How would you reverse that trend? Yes. Now, um, we will reverse the unemployment numbers by focusing, uh, working with the private sector, mm -hmm. but also with the establishment of a one trillion naira venture capital fund. Okay. The government will be an investor, but the fund will be run by the private sector. And the duty of this fund will be to train Nigerian youth hmm. coming out of universities hmm. in various skills that can make it easy for them to start their own businesses and therefore create jobs. In most countries where the economies are prosperous, it is the private sector that creates jobs. Hmm. It's not the government. Right. But the, the government creates an enabling environment for job creation. Right. So we will do this through this venture capital fund. We will also walk through the National Youth Service Core Scheme because I see a lot of potential there, you know, for people coming out of uh, universities or tertiary institutions, you know, uh, to collaborate with them. And they've already developed some sort of program in this direction. But this fund can help the NYSC scale up uh, this thing to reach, you know, hundreds of thousands of young people, millions of young graduates. Mm -hmm. And this will over a couple of years to three years, you will see that it will reverse the employment situation in the country. Because, you know, jobs, the reason why a lot of people are jobless is because they are looking for jobs. Hmm. But we want people to create their own jobs. That is already happening a lot in the economy out of necessity. Right. Many people are developing one hustle or the other, right. you know, and but we will encourage that at a massive scale, right. yes, with this venture capital fund. So that's one of the ways we are going to um, attract um, or develop jobs in this do, country. Do you believe that investors are willing to invest in such a VC fund, considering issues like security, infrastructure, power, or even add to that equation the Twitter ban, which um, may have now created fear about the regulatory environment? Um, well... In a government headed by Kingsley Moyal as president, you would not have a Twitter ban. <laughs> you would have an enabling environment for people to do business. Okay. You would have more security, which is the first leg of swag. But the first thing we must do coming into power is to secure the country and its territory. Okay. So we're going to mount massive security operations, especially in the Northeast, you know, that stops terrorism from making the northern part of the country uninvestable and inhospitable for business. So, and in any other part of the country that has security challenges, we, we will be quite muscular 
in our interventions um, because we will have the political will. Hmm. Right now, there is a problem. Uh, there are many people who are supposed to be in charge of our security, but there are suspicions of corruption in, in, the, in the armed forces, although there are a lot of very loyal Nigerian soldiers who have given their lives and who are risking their lives to secure our country, mm. and God bless them. And for those who have, whose lives have been lost in the insurgency, mm. you know, we pray for their souls and we comfort their families. Uh, my heart goes out to them. You know, but there are, in the leadership levels of the Nigerian security architecture, there are some issues. Mm. There are issues of divided loyalty. There are issues of corruption. For some people, it seems like the war against terrorism has become a very profitable business. Mm. And so they don't want it to end. Mm. And these are problems that my government would address uh, quite quickly. Mm. We're not even going to waste time about it. This situation will end. Well, I have to come back to the point you made about Twitter ban. Um, you've gone on the record here and elsewhere to oppose it. And I have to ask if your opposition is purely on moral grounds or do you believe that the ban is illegal? Ah, all right, our connection uh, seems to have gone out, but uh, we will try to get uh, Kingsley back and then continue to talk Lagos. Uh, in the meantime, let me take your thoughts. Let me take your calls. 0700-993-993-993. Men, call me on that number. 0700-993-993-993. Women, call me on 01465-7190. Women, 01465-7190. There's obviously, of course, WhatsApp. WhatsApp is 80 959 while we work to um, reconnect to Professor Mogalo, who we've been talking to on Hard Facts on 99.3 Nigeria Info. I'm Sandra Ezekwesili. We've got Ezekiel in Ajah on the line. Ezekiel, how are you? Yeah, I'm Sandra. Okay, good. How is everything? Yeah. I'm very well, Ezekiel. Welcome. Go ahead. Okay. Um, Sandra. Yes. Your guys is very loudable and very formidable and very outspoken. Okay. But this is the wrong ground for him to penetrate. I see. I'm telling you, uh, Sandra. Okay. From all indications from 1960, the people that are actually willing to govern this country are right, have been assassinated. So I cherish your guest. I, I, you know, I, I cherish his professionalism. His, you know, his analysis is very, very, very germane. Mm. But I can tell you, not in this country. All right. Ezekiel says uh, the same thing that Paul said before the break as well. Uh, they don't think you're going to win. You they, you sound great. They like the things you're saying, but uh, they don't think that uh, this country is ready for you yet. Uh, you're going to let me. Can I respond? Yes, please. Go ahead. Yes. Let me tell Ezekiel and Paul, and I hope they are listening, hmm. that the salvation of this country begins with each and every one of us making a personal decision to vote for the right kinds of candidates in the next elections. If you defeat yourself by saying that your candidate will not win, what is the object, what is the alternative? You either don't vote or you go and vote for a candidate you think will win, but will not be able to give you good governance. Who loses at the end of the day? So I'm urging all of us as Nigerians, let us stop this defeatist mentality, you know, that, oh, a good candidate will not win because we have already surrendered. I call it the surrender brigade. We have surrendered to the corrupt politicians and we believe they're inevitable. How can you have a democracy if we have this? This is what I talk about political education. 
Political education is not only for those of us who are illiterate. There are many people who are educated who also need to be politically educated. You know, they are formally educated, but the way we think about politics shows that we have surrendered to the status quo in our own consciousness. How can our country get better if we have allowed ourselves to become slaves to, you know, a certain way of thinking that the corrupt and incompetent politicians want us to continue to think that way? Vote for who you think should win not for who you think will win. If enough people vote for who they think should win, you may be surprised at the outcome. That's my message to Peter and Ezekiel. Now, let's, Paul com and Ezekiel. now let's come back to what we're talking about before the network. Um, you know, that's something you should work on if you win, by the way, uh, infrastructure for internet um, service <laughs> provision. But let's come back to... Oh, yes, broadband, definitely. <laughs> let's come back to, um, you know, the, the ban on Twitter. Was it on moral grounds that you opposed it or do you believe that the ban is illegal? I opposed it on two grounds. Okay. Moral grounds, because this is not what you should have in a democracy. Okay. Donald Trump was banned by Twitter, hmm. but he could not ban Twitter because he himself was banned. That's a democracy. Okay. Now, so, so that's the moral ground. The second is a legal ground. I think it is unconstitutional that you could ask Nigerian citizens not to express themselves on Twitter. Hmm. If you look at, um, I think it's uh, section, I don't know if it's section two of the constitution. Um, yes, I mean, there is a place that guarantees the right of the mass media to circulate information and citizens to express their views. Um, so, but I know the Nigerian constitution definitely, uh, you know, makes provisions that are against the Twitter ban. Now, you can say to Twitter that you're going to have to bring Twitter in the Nigerian space under some sort of supervision. That is your right as a government. You can establish some ground rules. You see what I'm saying? But Twitter is a private company. Mark you, Twitter's boss at Jack came to Nigeria, spent several weeks in Nigeria. It was a celebrated visit. Obviously, they were thinking about setting up their operations here. But at the end of the day, they decided against Nigeria and moved to Ghana. Why? It's because of the absence of an enabling environment for business in Nigeria. You see, the rule of law, people are fickle in power. They just exercise authority arbitrarily, not through a proper process. And even our attorney general told us that he will prosecute Nigerians who go on Twitter. Of course, I was very happy to, 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 to go on Twitter immediately and wait for him to come and prosecute me because I have lawyers too, and I'm a lawyer myself. So how can you tell me that you breach my rights to the constitution and I'm supposed to be afraid of it? But That's the argument the opposition, the opposition politicians mm -hmm. who obeyed the Twitter ban, Nigerians should just ignore them in 2023. But it shows that they are opportunistic opposition. Now the argument has been made that as regulator, NCC can give a ban, uh, a ban order to telcos and ISPs. To your mind. What limits exist to the orders that a regulator can or cannot give? We've got about two minutes and then we have to go. Yes, I mean, obviously they have that right. But, you know, it would have to be subject to the rule of law as well. Hmm. The right is not absolute. You know, you have to show that the, the, the entity you're banning has flouted 
some very important, maybe national security considerations, or that they have a, there's a fundamental breach of contract between them and the NCC. Mm. You know, those are the kinds of grounds on which you could restrict these kinds of telcos and companies. Right. But you don't just wake up in the morning because somebody disagrees with the head of state or the head of government, right. um, or because his tweet was removed in accordance with the laws of of that company right. that you're using as a medium of communication, and then you, you issue a ban. This is arbitrariness, and this is a descent into authoritarianism and a descent into dictatorship, and we should be against this. Okay, let's go to WhatsApp where Lagosians are getting in touch. Kevin says, uh, this is the man we want as president. I support him 100%. Uh, we've got uh, Pastor Andy from Shomolu who says, this our next president is very sound. I urge him to give it his might. He will win. Sandra, it's obvious now that we have a true potential leader. Come 2023, we need to vote massively for him. Uh, Sandra, tell your guests to find his way um, to either the two mega parties and also do everything humanly possible to grab the ticket for the primary and eventually... Eventually, uh, he should uh, run for president. These Nigerians will rally around him for the ASU grab in earnest. Uh, we've got 30 seconds. What do you say to that, joining the two major political parties? Um, in politics, you don't rule out anything. Um, so, like I said, our movement will look at the parties at the right time and make a decision on which one to join. The problem with the two major parties is that if you look at their track record, you will have to say, is it likely that they would give someone like myself their ticket when you've looked at how they have run this country and when you look at the way they operate? Um, so that's what I would say. It's, it's, it's a bit unlikely, but it's not impossible. Professor that's Kingsley Morgalu uh, is a former deputy governor at the CBN, former presidential candidate for the YPP, currently representing UNDP. Professor, thank you so much for joining us on Hard Facts. You're very welcome, uh, Sandra. I've enjoyed talking to you. All right, Lagos, we'll be back. Back. 